Well, hello there. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. My name is Mike Householder. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by a special guest, pinch-hitting host, my wife, the love of my life, Sally Householder. Hello, Sally. Hi there. How are you, honey? I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm going to hit the pause, though, for a second and say, Emily Langpaul, uh, we uh, are so sad that you can't be with us today. Emily's are, as you know, those of you who are faithful uh, listeners of this podcast, Emily Langpaul's my faithful co-host, and she is quarantining because she uh, was around somebody who uh, ended up testing positive for COVID, as a lot of us know. That's how the drill goes these days. So, um, Emily, hopefully that's as far as it goes for you, and hopefully you can get back to the podcast yes, uh, very, we very miss soon. You. We do. We miss you a lot. Uh, this is, you know, what this reminds me of, though, Sally. What? And guests uh, who we'll introduce in just a moment. This reminds me of the old um, Regis and Kathy Lee show. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, and or was it Regis and Kelly or Kelly Lee or or whoever yeah. it was? It was <laughs> it was Regis and his and his and his host, the co-hosts. And when Kathy Lee or Kelly couldn't be on the show with Regis, his wife Joy would guest yes, host, right? She, she would, would come in. Yep. So you are my joy. You, yes, that's right. You are you are my Valentine. Thank you for pinch hitting for Emily until she can get back. Um, and I'll, I'll be Regis. I, that's, <laughs> that probably should not do impressions on this podcast. Let's Let's have you, Sally, introduce our guests, if you would, please. Okay. Well, today we have three very special guests. We have Pastor Jeremy Johnson, and we've got Pastor Ashley Lentz, and we've got Pastor Scott Rains. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you're all here. All three of these folks are pastors here at Hope. Uh, Jeremy is a pastor here at our West Des Moines campus. Ashley and Scott are pastors at our Ankeny campus. And what we all have in common, it's like Sesame Street. You know, three of these things belong together. Uh, actually, all three of these things belong together. And you could even put me on the screen. All four of us preached on the same text this last weekend. So we want to take that deeper uh, in this podcast because it is, I think it was you, Pastor Ashley, who mentioned this in your sermon, um, that this text is so rich that your seminary professor uh, took a whole week on it uh, back when you were a seminary student uh, from John 6. So we've got a lot more uh, to mine here in John chapter 6 and a lot of good things to cover. And so we're calling this episode... The post-game show, you know, we just had the Super Bowl, see how that happened. By the way, Scott Rains. Are I'm you, wearing black for seven days you, as I mourn the, the loss. Are you, are you okay, brother? Are you, I mean, you know, but I for, our, for our listeners, Scott is a dyed-in-the-wool, true blue, or is it true red, Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, he was with them when they were lousy, and he has been with them in this current upswing. Um, and yesterday, uh, Marty Schottenheimer died. Yeah, I saw he, that. Yeah. He was the coach of the Chiefs. Well, when I started as a fan, he wasn't even the coach, but then he brought Marty Ball, and they've been somewhat relevant ever since. But <laughs> never did the Super Bowl until last year and this year. Oh. So oh. I'm just enjoying the ride, Mike. Well, I am. What was that experience like uh, for you on Sunday, Scott? It, are you, I mean, to, to be that into your team, to be cheering so hard and for them just to lay an egg. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm saying that just absolute egg. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it was frustrating. Uh, it, it made sense. There were a bunch of injuries. Yeah. Uh, there's off field stuff that's yep. just horribly tragic, but yep. you know, I, I was at the same time able to say, 
holy cow, I'm watching a 43-year-old in his 10th Super Bowl, 16 of 20 in the first half. I mean, you just have to appreciate everything that goes into it, even if your team's not the one um, that's doing what you would hope they would do. Yep. This is not a sports talk podcast, but uh, I love sports. And Pastor Jeremy and I have even joked about starting a sports podcast at some point. Uh, I will say this, that uh, Tom Brady... Um, I, I'll ask it as a question for our listeners. Name all of the NFL teams that have more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. Anyone? Anyone want to guess what team has more Super Bowls than Tom Brady? Any, a, a team. You want to hear the, the list again? No, there are, there are none. Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than any team in football. That's, that's wow. unbelievable when you think about it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, he's, he's an incredible, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Like we talked about in the message and we will use that, um, that, that goat kind of metaphor to, to dive into our questions as we go along. But part of food for thought and part of the post game show for us today, it's certainly not just to talk football. We want to talk about things way deeper than that. Um, in the midst of this past weekend's messages, we also had our annual Super Bowl food drive. So, Sally, if you would, it's time for our two-minute drill. Yes, it is. <laughs> Pretty excited. I like two the two-minute drill. That's that's a lot of enthusiasm for the two-minute drill. I like it. That's good. <laughs> okay, let's start with Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy. How did the Super Bowl food drive go at Hope? As always, uh, hope overwhelmed uh, our greatest expectations. It was amazing. So as I just was talking to Mike Horseman, who uh, is kind of leading from a staff perspective, but we all know it's the volunteers who do all the incredible work. But he just told me that over two semi-trailers full full of food uh, were donated. At West Des Moines alone, and you can you know, put this across all of our campuses, over 500 volunteers were a part of uh, collecting and sorting and, wow. and delivering wow. the food. And over 100 food pantries will be restocked because of the generosity of the people who were a part of this year's Super Bowl food drive. So uh, to answer that question, it went extraordinarily well. And to have all that happen in the middle of a pandemic just shows the incredible way in which God will do exponentially more than we could ever uh, think or imagine. So it's been just another another blessing to watch God move in just crazy ways. Yeah, Ashley up in Ankeny, and I was up there with you guys this weekend, you you had your own experience. What was that like for the Hope Ankeny folks, the Super Bowl food drive? It's always incredible. Um, we had volunteers standing outside in blizzard-like conditions in the cold. They were bundled up uh, at our North Ankeny Fairway. And I think I saw a video of one of them in full snow pants gear sliding down the uh, <laughs> the thing on the trailer. <laughs> so, I mean, they just had a blast. And we have amazing volunteers across Hope. And they're so faithful. And that truck was full at the end of the 11 o'clock service uh, when I peeked into the back of it. So as always, people show up and, and it's really incredible to watch. Yeah, it was phenomenal for Sally, you and I, after uh, preaching with Scott and Ashley up in Ankeny, um, I was blessed to be able to do that. We drove back home here. We live in West Des Moines and we stopped by the church to see how things were going. And it was, it blew us away. Yeah. I mean, I honestly felt like, okay, during a pandemic, when 
90% plus of our church is worshiping online still. We still we have some folks who come and worship in person, and that's fantastic. But the overwhelming majority are still worshiping online. Um, that it would be, I just felt like you just add that up, it's just going to be less than, and n- not to mention the weather was just, it could not have been worse. Oh, uh, you know, we're having this this cold front come through Iowa um, that makes it feel like we're in Fargo, right, Jeremy? Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I got to throw this in because I'm so impressed with this, as long as we're talking about the cold front, and you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the other day, it's 10 below, and what does Pastor Jeremy do uh, before he starts the day? I went for a run uh, outside because that's just what normal sane people do. <laughs> it's what normal sane people who grew up in Fargo, North Dakota do, I think. Uh, so this yeah, feels like normal maybe right. for you in the winter. If you didn't do that, you'd be inside for like six months out of the, out of the year. <laughs> that's is the mother of invention. So, you know, we wear warm clothes and put Vaseline on our faces so we don't get frost. <laughs> I love the Vaseline on the face part. Isn't that just great? Like, I am such a dedicated runner. I'm going to, you, you cover everything, right? Except like your eyes. Yep, and yep. cheeks and maybe. that clean on each eye, under each eye and on my nose. And, you know, you got to keep the good looks going. So, you know, you got to get all the help. Nice. That you well, there you go, podcast listeners. You never know <laughs> what bonus information you're going to get on this yep. podcast. In addition to the deep dives into scripture, yep. you're going to get vast beauty, va- beauty tips. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop. That's awesome. So the Super Bowl food drive, it just blew us away when we came here thinking because of the pandemic, because of the weather, uh, that it would, it would hopefully still be good, but it wouldn't be like it, you know, piles and piles of food, but it was piles and piles of food. And this church is amazing. Thanks to all of you who took part in that. If you are a part of another church somewhere else, I'd encourage you to look into this because in almost every community in the middle of winter, food pantry needs are the highest. The giving season that comes out of Christmas and Thanksgiving is kind of over um, and so they aren't receiving a lot of donations. It's just a win-win, uh, which leads to our second question, actually. It's not just that we're able to serve others, which is the primary purpose of this food drive. I think God has called us to this so that we can fill the, the food shelves of all the food pantries in central Iowa, at least for several weeks. That's part of it, but it's a win-win, too. It, it goes the other way. It blesses those of us who are a part of it, which leads to our second two-minute drill question. All right. What are the benefits of mission work? Let's start with Pastor Scott. Thank you, Sally. I, so many benefits. One, one, I'll set it up kind of this way. There was, I love movies, and several years ago, there was a movie nominated for Best Picture called Room, and Brie oh, Larson yeah. won the Best Actress. It's a I mean, just a devastating kind of film, but it really makes you think. She gets kidnapped as a a teenager, uh, becomes a mom while she's kidnapped. And I don't think this is a spoiler. Halfway through the movie, uh, she and her son escape. And the second half of the movie then is like trying to readjust to life of, of freedom. And at one point, the little boy says to his mom, when are we going back to room? Like he... That was the only place he knew. It was home and familiar and comfortable, and he missed it. He wanted he wanted to go back. And I remember sitting in the theater watching it, and 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 afterwards thinking, how many of us have similar kinds of thoughts? Like we know what we know, and we like what we know. We like what we're familiar with and comfortable with. 
Um, and and how uh, how can that just cause us to have a smaller view of the world than uh, is probably healthy or, or good? And so I think one of the important things of mission work, whether you go on a mission trip uh, abroad or you're helping out locally, it opens your eyes to a, a part of life and a part of the world that maybe you would be completely unfamiliar with otherwise. And that's how we grow. And as we grow, God continues to open our eyes and helps us uh, see new ways of being and thinking and living uh, and following after Jesus. So, man, I, I, I think mission work is so important in, in so many ways. Yeah, it, it, it expands our, our view, as you said, Pastor Scott, uh, gets us out of our room. Uh, if you will, it, it, it connects us to something bigger than us. Pastor Jeremy, you're our outreach pastor here at Hope. Um, and so you are hands-on and you're, you're front lines on all these different things. You see a lot of mission work, both local and global. What would you add to that? What, what's the benefit of mission work for the people who are doing the mission work? Not just the, the people on the receiving end. Obviously, we pray and hope that they're blessed by what they are receiving and what God's giving to them through us. But what, what's in it for the giver? You know, I think when you think about, let's think about the area in which Jesus lived. You have Sea of Galilee and you have the Dead Sea. Both of them are fed by the same source of water, the Jordan River. One of them sustains life and one of them cannot uh, sustain life at all. What's the difference? One has an output, the other doesn't. Things go into the Dead Sea and they never come out of the Dead Sea. Hmm. And I think that we've been created the same way, haven't we? Uh, we've been created as this uh, vessel to be able to, to have an input, to, to receive the Word of God, to receive the good things of life. Uh, but what, when we really truly start to live is when we're giving life out of us as well. And I think every one of us has been created that way. And when we start to tap into that life source, that, that rhythm of life, we, I, I believe and I see it in people, we really start to come alive. And we start to see exactly like Pastor Scott said, the greater world around us and what God has, every one of us, no matter if we have a lot or a little, has something to give, time, talents, possessions, all of those things. And so it's just extraordinary to see that come alive in people. And it, and it also, it breaks your heart open to see, this is what God has done for me. And so how can I be a part of what God is doing for the world around me? Well said, you guys. Thanks. You know, you mentioned the Dead Sea, Jeremy. Sally, we were mm -hmm. blessed seven or eight years ago to take a tour of the Holy Land. And part of that tour included a day at the Dead Sea. I am not a fan. <laughs> just gonna, just on a real practical kind of travel tip level. Um, I, I mean, it's a cool thing to see. Don't get me wrong. But uh, we actually went into the Dead Sea and, you know, cake yourself with the mud and the whole thing. And um, that was an experience, wasn't it? It sure was. Yeah. The floating in the in the water was just unbelievable. It, I heard that would happen, but you literally just float. You put your feet down. Yeah. You can't touch the ground and you're literally like kind of like a Bowie, kind of just, it just doesn't bobbing seem, in the water. It doesn't yeah. seem right. It doesn't seem natural, no. but, but you're there and you feel it. And um, you see people who are naked covered with mud that shouldn't, <laughs> that shouldn't be naked. There's yeah. that too. So, you know, there, there's just a whole <laughs> part of that experience that I'd rather not recall. But it was cool to see uh, what it was, it truly is a dead place. Yes. I mean, there's there's no life uh, around this place, and that's what happens to us when it's all just about consuming and 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 taking in instead of serving and uh, breathing out once in a while, which is another benefit of getting out of the room and and doing mission work. 
let's move on. Next two-minute drill question. Okay, next question is, are miracles the ultimate spiritual mountaintop with Jesus, or is there something even better? Yeah, before we dive into that question, let me just put this to it as well. Uh, I think a lot of Christians feel like miracles are the mountaintop, like that's the, the best thing. So Super Bowl food drives a miracle. We, we get to experience that and see that. And it's awesome and it's great. But is there something more? Pastor Ashley, let's start with you. Yeah, the the real simple answer is, yeah, there is something more. Um, since we're talking about mountaintops, I thought I'd use like a mountain analogy story. Uh, my family's climbed a lot of mountains. We love Colorado. And hmm. as you climb to the top of a mountain, uh, the terrain changes. You go from trees and life, and maybe if you're lucky, some moose or some elk, and then you cross this tree line and the air gets a lot thinner and there's less animals. And if there are animals, they're real small, so they don't need a lot of oxygen. And those things are pointing you when you cross that terrain and you notice the difference, they're pointing you to something greater. And miracles, um, if we're talking about mountains, miracles are actually just big arrows pointing us to something so much greater. And if you've ever peaked a mountain, you know that the peak isn't what you're there for. There's a really big view. And I think that's what miracles show us. They're they're little uh, terrain changes along the way. And when you get to the top, uh, you're not at the top just for the top. You're at the top for something so much greater. You're at the top for this overarching view. And miracles point us to Jesus and a big picture of who he is. Um, miracles are amazing and and we can seek those. I I hear a lot of people asking for miracles and we should ask for miracles, uh, but that's not an end in of itself. It's pointing us to something so much greater. And that's what Jesus is doing in that miracle and who he is eternally. Um, And that's so much greater than one or two or a hundred miracles. Brilliant. And, and what a great, you know, story to talk about that journey up the mountain from your own experience and in hiking those mountains in Colorado uh, and seeing miracles for what they are. Pastor Scott, so in John chapter six, which we all preached on this last weekend, where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, that's coming off of a miracle story where he feeds thousands. Uh, What's he saying? You know, because people will say, well, show us a sign, show us a miracle, show us, show us proof that you're really the Messiah. And then he comes and He's saying, well, actually, there's something more than the... F- you, you thought that was good, right? Here, wait, wait until you see this. What, what, what would you say about how John 6 connects to those miracle stories of the feeding of the thousands? It, there's so much in that chapter, as we've already said. But after the feeding of the 5,000, they're ready to crown him king. And he, he slips away. He, do, he doesn't want it. And, and so there's something that we're just constantly missing uh, when it comes to Jesus. And and I think sometimes um, we say, well, the greater thing is just having the Lord's presence with us. Even if the miracle doesn't happen, just having the Lord's presence with us, that's, that's the greater thing. But when you read through scripture, you'll see a lot of times the presence of the Lord is with people and they're like, oh, woe is me. This is uh, terrible. This is awful. And um, because it reminds us of who we are and some of the things about ourselves that we maybe don't want to see. And so part of, I think, the, the miraculous reality of, of who Jesus is, is that he comes to us uh, in our imperfections. He comes to us in the, in the places in our life that are uh, kind of gross and ugly. 
and somehow in the midst of it loves us anyway. And I wonder if that's the the real miracle is and a, a growing awareness that we are loved by God no matter what. Next question. Um, how are Jesus' seven famous I am statements in the Gospel of John still relevant for us today? Yes. Uh, I'll start with that one, and then I want to hear from you guys. The, the seven I am statements of Jesus that are recorded in the Gospel of John, um, it, it starts with Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life here in John 6. In John 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I'm the gate. Uh, he also says, I'm the good shepherd, which is an amazing combination. It doesn't feel like those two should go together. Either you're the good shepherd or you're the gate. But what you learn if you dive into the history of shepherding in first century Middle Eastern culture is the best shepherds, the good shepherds, were the ones who laid down their life for the sheep. And they became the gate to protect the sheep inside of the pen um, because they had to have a way in. And so then there would be an opening inside that pen uh, that would allow predators to come and attack the sheep. So the good shepherd would lay down his life and become the gate uh, for the sheep to protect them uh, so that they could have life. So when Jesus says, I'm the gate and I am the good shepherd, he's really saying very much the same thing. This is what good shepherds do. Uh, John 11 says, I'm the resurrection and the life. John 14 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I'm the vine uh, and you're the branches that connect to me. These are identifying statements that Jesus makes that help us see him for who he is instead of who maybe the world wants to define him. Hey, Jesus, you're just a great teacher, but you know I'm more comfortable with you just being a teacher. I don't really want you to be the vine <laughs> that holds it all together. I don't want you to really be the gate that, that is, is our transition into new and everlasting life or that protects us from death. I, 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 you're not that big of a deal. I, I, bread of life, that's a bit much. Light of the world, that's a bit much. So I'm just going to say, Jesus, you are, you're a good guy. You're a, you're a good leader. You're um, a good teacher. You're, um, you're somebody who, who brought some good things into the world. And that's where a lot of people's comfort levels with Jesus end. But the sad part of that about that is then you're missing what Jesus actually said about himself. And probably most powerfully in John chapter 8, when people came up to him and said, well, you know, we're descendants of Abraham, or, or we have Moses on our side, the prophets, the, the history, the great patriarch Abraham, or matriarch Sarah, we, we belong to them. That's how we find our identity. And Jesus is there to correct them and said, well, actually, before Abraham even existed, I am, which is the same thing that God said to Moses in the burning bush to identify himself, says, my name is Yahweh in Hebrew, in English, I am. And so Jesus is saying, that's me too. I'm the same God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a leader. I'm not just here to, um, you know, show you a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a better way to kind of find a pathway through life. I'm all of those things, but I'm also the Messiah. I'm the anointed one of God. I'm God in the flesh. I am. Uh, I am Yahweh. I am God is what Jesus is saying. And so for Jesus to identify himself in those ways, he's saying a lot. He's saying, you know, as C.S. Lewis uh, profoundly put it, you, you're left with a choice. And so Lewis, before he was a Christian writer, was an atheist. He says, you're left with this, this surprising choice is the way he put it. You either have to conclude based on the claims that Jesus made that he is... Uh, crazy or he's evil because crazy people claim to be God, right? Uh, and they aren't. 
evil people might claim to be God because they have some sinister motive. Uh, and the third alternative, Lewis said, is that he's God. But he says, let's not come up with any of this patronizing nonsense that Jesus is just a great teacher or that he's just a great leader because he hasn't left that option open to us. Mm-hmm. He hasn't provided that as, as one of the, of the, of the you know, choices that you can make when it comes to identifying Jesus Christ. You can't logically say he's just a great teacher because that's just not an option. Um, what pastors, what else would you add to those I am statements? What, 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 what stands out for any of you and don't be bashful, just jump right in. Uh, I think, um, for me, one of the ones that just always means, uh, just it, it's so it, it comes fully into my face is in John 11, when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Yeah. Like actually, like you were saying the the miracle points to something uh, greater and you could say, well, what's, what's greater than Jesus saying just before he raises Lazarus from death to life, what could be greater than that? And I don't want to be flipping about this at all, but Lazarus isn't with us physically any longer. Right. And so what Jesus is saying to Lazarus in this, I am, or, or to the, the crowd and to us in this, I am the resurrection of life is yes, I will give you life for eternity but that life also starts right now. Ha, ha, the kingdom is coming to you, Lazarus, and to you people who come into a, a context. So this, this, this transformed life isn't something that we wait for until we get to heaven. This transformed life is something uh, that resurrects the dead things in our lives right here and right now. Does it dismiss the certainty, certainty of eternal life? Absolutely not. It amplifies that. And I just think my goodness, how many of us need uh, things resurrected in our lives right now? We need to live a, uh, we, we want to experience that real good life. And we look for that in so many things. And here's Jesus that says to every one of us right now, I am the resurrection and the life. And I'm the one that you'll, that they'll be able to resurrect those dead things in your life. And that's, that's so good. And it, doesn't it just make you kind of feel like, um, you know, we're back in the right horse <laughs> or that, or to put it another way, isn't it nice that Jesus came over to our corner and, and is hanging out with us and saying, uh, you know, God's love is for you too, even though you've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. it, it what could be more relevant than that? Which leads to our last question. And we're going to start with you on this one, Scott. And I, I've been looking forward to this one. Why does it help to be aware of Jesus' identity in order to find our own? So I'll... I'll start with this idea. In uh, Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing about this ongoing battle. He he says these two forces are always fighting each other in our life. And uh, in the New Living Translation, it's called the sinful nature versus the spirit. In, In some of the older translations, it would say the flesh versus the spirit. Um, I've heard someone say recently, uh, another way to think about it would be our true self and our false self are constantly in battle. And uh, I shared a story this weekend uh, in my portion of the sermon about trying to change a flat tire and not being able to do it. And these thoughts that start going through my head about, you know, what does this mean or who does this mean I am if I'm able to change it or if I'm unable to change it? And um, I have this, this is, this is a, uh, uh, it's a thought that I have. This is not a word from the Lord. Uh, so I, I preface <laughs> this first, but I, I'm working this out. Like as I read through, you know, that chapter in Galatians five and this, this idea of the sinful nature and the spirit uh, constantly being in battle, 
sometimes I wonder if the actual, you know, we have these categories that we call sinful behaviors. Yes. But but I wonder if 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 the sin precedes the behavior. And the behaviors flow out of not being who God created us to be, not being our true self. Yeah. Even with Jesus in his baptism, like he he's owning his true identity. And so he's able to resist the temptation to uh, the devil says, if you really are the son of God, it's an identity question. Um, and Jesus is able to reason, he's able to stay his true self rather than live out some, some false self. And so if we know that Jesus is our, I am, uh, and if we can trust that somehow that helps us be able to say, oh, here's when I find myself drifting towards my false self. Uh, here's where I find myself comfortable in my true self and I can live out of the spirit rather than living out of my sinful nature. Uh, it leads to more and more of the life that Jesus wants to give us when we know who he is and how that impacts who I am. It's interesting that two of Jesus' I am statements in John's gospel end with life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That that seems to be where he keeps trying to you know get us to go. It's not just... Jesus saying, this is who I am, it's because if we identify Jesus correctly, if we, if we identify Jesus for who he really is, then like you're saying, Pastor Scott, uh, we're going to find that life we're going, th- that has been so elusive. We're, we're, going to, we're going to take a good bite of that bread of life, right? I'm the bread of life. There's another one mm-hmm. um, that we so desperately need. Pastor Ashley, as you look around the world and you see... Uh, people hungering for things and, and where they go to try to find, you know, the good stuff, um, you know, the good food in life, the good, the good uh, entertainment, the, the, the finest of all things. What would you say uh, as a pastor and, and maybe even more importantly, what would you say Jesus is trying to say to us here in John 6 about those things that are, you know, perishable versus imperishable that you preached about this last weekend? I, uh, I get to hang out in the young adult world because uh, I'm a young adult, but also that's part of our ministry. And this it's such a season of life where you seek a lot of things. It's transitional. You seek work. You seek relationships. You seek what's next. You seek what does God want me to do? Um, and those are good things, uh, but ultimately they're all perishable. And, and in a season, all seasons of our life where we're seeking things like this, uh, we have to remember that all of these things— um, Jesus provides. So as we seek to be our best self or what that looks like in work, uh, Jesus says, I'm the true vine attached to me and you'll, and you, you'll be your best self. You're a branch on, on that vine. You need a healing or restoration or renewal. I, I am the resurrection and the life. And you think you're hungry. You think you need basic things. I'm the bread of life. Uh, I, you think you're lost and, and there's no, no one who can come back. You're too far gone to, to enter a church or to plug into Christianity. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I'm the gate and I will lay down my life for you. And it, he's every, he's literally everything we could possibly need. And all those things that we're seeking, they can be really, really good things. Uh, but like you said, Pastor Mike, in our sermon, they're not gods and they make lousy, lousy gods. And so when we are rooted in who he is and his identity and we make that our identity and 
know that our identity is eternal, not perishable. Uh, those perishable things are, are good and can be a beautiful part of our life, uh, but there's something greater. Yeah, really well stated. All of you, thank you for this conversation. It, it, it's blessing my heart. I hope it's blessing the hearts of the people who are listening. Let's say you're listening. Here's always the thing, right, is if we're not careful as pastors, it's probably good you're here, Sally, um, to have a non-ordained pastor here in this conversation. <laughs> if we're not careful as pastors, we just, we, we talk and, and, you know, exegete the scripture, which, you know, means kind of interpret it and, and sort through it. We, we proclaim the theology underneath it, behind it. We look at the history. We, we do all the things that we're doing, but, it, but if we aren't careful, we're not going to ask that question that's really like the elephant in the room for a lot of people. Okay, so Jesus is the goat, <laughs> you know, so he's the greatest <laughs> of all time. So he's the great I am. Let's say I believe that. How, how do I find this bread? Where do I get it? How, I mean, you know, instead of just saying it's Jesus, well, great. How do I find Jesus? How do I, how do I get to that? And Ashley, you, you kind of started to go there when you talked about the Christian life and church. Pastor Jeremy, what would you... What would you say to kind of round that out? If, if for that person who's out there who's like, okay, I uh, I hear you talking about Jesus. I'm pro Jesus. I'm I'm all for it. Right? I'm all for him. He's the goat. But I feel about as close to him as I do to the goat in football, Tom Brady. You know, I cheer for him maybe, or I'm impressed by him, and I watch him on TV, or I know things about him. But I'm not in a relationship with him. I don't have a friendship with him. I don't I don't follow him around. How? How do we do that with Jesus? I, you know, there's, so Jesus is an incredible miracle worker. He has these I am statements, but he also tells these stories that get to the nature and the heart. And one of the most well-known stories that Jesus tells is the one of the prodigal son, where the son that goes away uh, is now coming back because he feels like he isn't going to have a place anymore. And so he's wondering if he maybe can get a foothold into the door to get the lowest of places in his father's home. And as the, the, the son comes, starts coming home, his, it's, it's his father who sees him first. Hmm. And, and so it's the father who, who literally picks up his robe, which would have been looked at as being very uh, uh, underneath him of his stature. He picks up his robe and he literally sprints to the horizon where his, where his son is to welcome him home. And I think it's Martin Luther. Scott, you're talking about Galatians chapter 5, which is what Martin Luther really used as one of the things that unlocked the, the reality of who Jesus is in his life and the freedom that comes from that. And Luther also says, righteousness comes in perfect passivity. And I think one of the things I would tell a lot of people is sometimes we, we desperately want to get to know God so much that we try to perform for God. Mm. And what God, I believe, and what I found in my own life is God wants me to be still so I can start to understand and I can start to be in the presence of his love. And so now that, that sounds really simple and it's not answering your question at all, Mike, but I would say, come and see. Yep. You don't have to do anything. Uh, and come and see might be come to a worship service at any of our campuses or, or a church near you that's proclaiming the, 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 the gospel. Come and see might be worshiping with us online. Come and see might be asking a friend about what, what Jesus means to them, because sometimes Jesus uses people as the vehicles of his love and his grace, i.e. the disciples to which we all are a part of that movement. And so uh, I would encourage all people who are, are investigating this is don't 
feel that you have to do anything to be okay for God. God's already considered you to be okay. And he's come and he's running out to you to bring you home, to be in a relationship. And I always think to myself, there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore. So I got to quit trying so hard. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less. So I have to quit trying so hard. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a real uh, gift that comes in, 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 in finding that balance of just being able to be me. And maybe for the first time, feeling that I, I, I could actually be okay. Is every part of my life okay? Absolutely not. But God looks at me and he loves me. And he says, Jeremy, I, I love you. And, 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 and you're more than okay in my eyes. And I think we live in a critical culture that we don't give ourselves the ability to think of ourselves in that way. And that's how Jesus sees us. And sometimes it's that love that moves first that unlocks the door to our hearts to experience it. Yeah, so well said. Thanks, you guys. That, and I think you did answer it, Jeremy, um, to, to be still and to know, to know that God loves you, that God chooses you, to quit performing for God. Uh, sometimes I think we do um, seekers a real disservice as Christian teachers, when we imply or directly um, teach that what you have to do to find God is a whole list of all these things. Um, God's looking for you, and it's, that's not preacher's opinion. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I mean, that's gospel, that's scripture. As much as we want to turn it into, I have to make the decision, I have to make the choice, I get that. I mean, I understand that. We, we, we're not just completely uh, you know, out of the loop in, in this relationship. If you're going to have a relationship, I mean, if if it was just me pursuing Sally all the time uh, in our in our marriage, and never once was she like, "Well, I love you too," you know, that that wouldn't be much of a marriage. Um, and so, I think there is certainly a natural response to God's love, which is to awaken to it. it you know, the John chapter one says, "Believe and receive," and so so we believe it. But when we, when we move from recipients of the gift that comes to us from God to the subject who has to go find it and, and pursue it, I remember, just to give a practical example, when I was a rookie pastor, first year out of seminary, um, I'm up in Huxley, Iowa, uh, and at this church, this wonderful, faithful church called Palestine Lutheran, there was a woman who was cutting my hair in town, and and she found out I was the pastor, which always leads to an interesting conversation with the person cutting your hair. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. And then if they have any spiritual questions, you're going to hear them, which is great. I love it. <laughs> and so she, she starts asking me, she goes, well, I, I wish I could find God. How do I find God? I want to find God. How do I do that? And I remember saying something that I still believe to be definitely true today. Sometimes we have to stop trying so hard to find God and, and just be still and let God find us. You've got to be careful there because if, you know, then we can just kind of over-spiritualize the whole thing and just say, okay, well, I'll just wait and I'll just sit here and God's going to have to come and find me. I mean, come and see, like you said, Jeremy. That's what Jesus said too. He didn't just say, well, sit over there in your fishing boat and God will come find you. No, he comes along and he invites them, come and see, follow me. So follow Jesus, follow him to worship, follow him into the study of scripture and the reading of it, follow him into Bible studies, follow him into serving and using your gifts and things like the Super Bowl food drive, follow him and letting your light shine and loving the world around you the way God loves you. F follow me and do these things and that will help. Obviously that will help us in our walk with God in our relationship, but it's better if those things are the natural response to God loving us first. 
it's better if we go back to, we didn't choose this, God, you chose us. And now we get the glory and the blessing of being able to follow you and live out this life you created us to live in the first place. And I think that's where the relevance comes in of Jesus being the bread of life and Jesus being the great I am. Um, You know, we had communion on Sunday and one of the great communion hymns that we used to sing when I was a kid growing up in church was Just As I Am. And Pastor Scott, you preached about this in the sermon this weekend about, am I good enough? You know, am I a good enough father? Am I good enough uh, person? Am I a good enough man? Am I a good enough husband? Am I a good enough friend? You know, any of the things that we can have that voice in our head start to doubt and, and the, the, the struggle we have, the battle we have sometimes with that voice that isn't from God. It's, it's from the enemy. It's, it's lies. Uh, and so we wonder, am I good enough? Am, am I worthy of the creator of the universe's favor and mercy and grace and love? And we sing it just as I am. We, we come to that table and we receive the full pardon and forgiveness for all our sins. So just as I am, we come and the great I am is there um, to bring the full power and the bread of life and the blessings of God to us and the glory of God. So, boy, I, you get together with some preachers and you can talk all day about these things, but our time is up. Uh, we're right on time, but it's time to wrap it up. So, Sally, as the non-ordained uh, member of this panel and as somebody I know to be an incredibly mature Christian, what is it that stands out for you in this conversation? What would be a mic drop moment that you'll kind of take out of it? Well, I love uh, talking about the seven I am's that Jesus said, because I feel that the world is always trying constantly to define Jesus. And I think even those of us who try to remain faithful do that too. And so I feel like if we just look to his word and listen to Jesus' words, um, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of the life. I think that'll set our course straighter than if we don't. Yeah, yeah. well said. Brilliant. Uh, I'm blessed to be married to such a good theologian who hasn't been to seminary. The rest of us have to go to seminary to figure some of this stuff out. She just gets it naturally. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you, pastors Jeremy, pastors pastors Jeremy, Ashley, and Scott. <laughs> Glad that you uh, were invo- a part of this conversation. It was great. I, I loved it. Um, hope you enjoyed it too. Thanks for joining us on the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. Uh, we will see you again real soon. Uh, we love you, and God loves you even more. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Bye.